Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for us at keyword World Talk Radio. The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. ready to pump your energy and jumpstart your dreams with positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio on the world's most popular power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are. The Oprah of the airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, and her sidekick, daughter, Heather Brittany, deliver lessons of success spanning the generations of the globe in their information-packed Tea for Two, a mother-daughter brew. In other segments, Cynthia interviews real-life trailblazers, authors, and experts with the courage and vision who show you how to build a road to fulfillment through their unique books and services. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll be informed and entertained. For your free lifestyle empowerment coaching session right here on the airwaves, turn up the volume, relax, sit back, and get ready to be inspired. Because Star Style, Be the Star You Are, starts right now. Well, it is the Power Hour. Hello, our power partners. Welcome to Radio's finest program of positive talk. It's star style. Be the star you are. My name is Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And we are delighted to be your success coaches here on the airwaves with you, bringing you authors, experts, and professionals that help you live a more fulfilled life. So get ready to pump that energy to love, to learn, laugh, listen, and live your dreams. We are a show about following your heart and doing what you love. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Grico Hardware Flooring, proud sponsor of the Be The Star You Are Para Festival booth, located right in La Mirinda for custom wood flooring, design, and installation. Call 510-928-7409, and we're so happy to have them as a sponsor because we really believe in them, and their daughter is a volunteer with Be The Star You Are. So thank you, thank you. And this is A Miracle Moment by Franklin D. Roosevelt. There is nothing to fear but fear itself. Yes, today's show is all about overcoming fear, sharing stories, surviving disaster, and going forward. In segment one, Heather and I are going to take a look at 9-11, 10 years after, followed by best-selling author John Shores, who returns to our program with his newest novel, Cross Currents, about the horrific tsunami that killed thousands in Southeast Asia. And then longtime acting and author colleague, American-Italian citizen Clint Adams, arrives from Barcelona via London to share his newest life-changing project for teen and young adults, Stories About Facing Fear. So it's definitely an hour of power today. We are so happy you are here to share the wealth and the courage to be the star you are. But first, a couple of announcements, Heather, if you can bear with me for a second. I wanted to acknowledge U.S. Bank of Lafayette is once again generously sponsoring our 2011 
8th Annual National Essay Contest of Be The Star You Are Charity. It begins next month, so all of you might be checking the website, btsya.com or bethestarur.org for topics because in just a month, you can enter to win. And our gratitude to the new Lafayette branch manager, Ron Melvin, and U.S. Bank for encouraging writing and literacy and again, a big thank you to Jarek Greico of Greico Hardwood Flooring, based here in San Francisco Bay Area, for sponsoring the Pear Festival because we did not have entry fees, and he came through today. So I am just really excited about that. The The website's not up yet, but it's going to be GreicoHardwoodFlooring.com. That's G-R-Y-K-O, HardwoodFlooring.com. Their phone number again, 510-928-7409. Excellent, excellent work trained in Poland. I mean, that probably says it all. And <laughs> speaking of the Pear Festival, Be The Star You Are is also going to have a car wash fundraiser on September 24th. So anyone interested in volunteering or sponsoring, please email me, Cynthia, at CynthiaBryan.com. And then a final announcement that is just in the beginning stages, had a couple-hour phone conversation today with, uh, with Perry of the Voice America Kids Channel is we are going to be launching a new radio show called Express Yourself based on our new teen website, Express Yourself, on Voice America Kids Channel. And this new show will be hosted by young people ages 10 to 19. How fun! Does that sound great? And we'll probably be doing a TV show, Heather, as well. I've just got to figure out the logistics, wrap my head around it, you know, get a little coaching here. In, but if you are a young person, a teen out there, you think you've got what it takes, you can call 925-377-STAR or you can email me, Cynthia at CynthiaBryan.com. And, you know, this is a global, it'll be in 98 countries, so my good friend Clint, he may have some teams that he wants to suggest to us. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. And again, more information to follow. So much is happening so, Heather, on to our topic today. Of course, we will never forget. Ten years ago, our country experienced the tragedy of the attacks of September 11th, 2001. Everyone remembers exactly what they were doing that day when the terrorist hijackers crashed two planes into the two towers of the World Trade Center in New York City, another plane into the Pentagon, and an attempted fly into the White House that was thwarted by the brave men and women who stormed the cockpit on Flight 93 and all lost their lives. The memories of all these people will not be forgotten, and the trauma of 9-11 has lasted a long time. The fear of terror penetrated deep and dark. So what has happened to our country? Where are we today? What have we learned, and where are we going? And this is what Heather and I want to talk about. We want to reminisce a bit, salute, celebrate and overcome the fear. So, Heather, let's share what you have felt about what has transpired after 9-11, because you were, you were fairly young, and it is a really an impact on our souls. Yeah, I was actually a junior in high school at the time. I remember that day so clearly, because I remember you were actually supposed to be taking a flight that day. Yes, and, to um, New York City, <laughs> yes. Yeah, and, you know, it was just, you know, it was something at that time, it was probably the biggest in my generation um, had ever experienced such um, such an immediate 
thing of, of trauma, of fear, of, of terror, of an actual um, terrorist attack within our own country. And that first day, I mean, I remember once it was kind of what was going on, the, the fear, the panic. But then what occurred over the next few weeks was beautiful, almost sort of like the, the triumph comes out of tragedy, that there was this amazing amount of patriotism um, that sort of just exploded throughout um, the United States, and it really, I think, brought people back down um, to earth about things. But similar at the time, a lot of people probably don't remember that that year, you know, similar to right now, we're going through a lot of stuff in the economy, um, especially with the stock market. And on September 10th, actually, of 2011, the Dow had closed um, at 9,605, which was fairly low, and it had been just barely up. Um, there was a lot of stuff economically that was going on. A hurricane had just occurred, a hurricane um, Aaron. I mean, there was so many other similar to things that were going on in our society now, um, you know, that people are upset about. And I think once that occurred, um, once 9-11 happened, suddenly everyone just took a step back and really, um, really started to look at, you know, value more family and, and getting to know your neighbors and everyone, people helping. It was one of those everyone was donating, you know, money and food and clothing and really, to help these people that you don't know, these million, you know, these strangers, and see this, these things on TV, um, it, it was again, it was such a horrific thing. But at the same time, so much patriotism and so much, you know, unitedness came out of it. And and I think that was really great. Um, it's interesting to think that it took so many years to finally you know, to get rid of the debris and and actually um, this coming. Um, September 11th is going to be the actual scheduled opening of um, the long-awaited um, memorial and a museum for uh, the 9/11 for uh, you know for the Twin Towers for everyone that's life was taken um, in it and you know something I was interested I saw on the news recently um, regarding the health effects of that similar to sort of like. Uh, Pearl Harbor, you know, the dropping of the bomb, how people have felt for years and years later, the radiation, the problems from it, is that nearly 3,000 people died on the initial 2011 day. Um, but the firefighters, you know, the first rise of firefighters, the, police, the people that were right down there in ground zero, um, there were so many toxics, um, toxins in the air that... Um, and there were 343 firefighters and paramedics and 23... New York City police officers and 37 Port Authority who were actually killed in that. Yeah. And I think 10,000 people were treated for injuries. Just We're talking yeah. just the Twin Towers no, alone, that right? Was just there. And then, I mean, it's something that was really interesting a lot of times. So I actually saw this thing on TV. I think, you know, now with it gearing up, I, a lot of people are putting their focus on, you know, the big 10-year um, memorial of this. And uh, it was on some news program, and they were interviewing. There was a firefighter. What? So actually, so many firefighters um, are continuing to die from the aftermath of this in today's. And it's crazy to think, ten years later, um, of the toxins that they inhaled, and a lot of them are getting these deadly cancers and um, blood cancer. That um, and it's due to the, the toxicity to what they were exposed to because they were living, eating, breathing. They were down in ground zero, giving their all. And there's actually a special memorial for um, 
firefighters and uh, that have they had perished and that that are being allowed to be buried in this in their names are being added to this particular memorial um, because of the talk because of this it's considered a line of duty and um, they're suffering um, they're suffering so many years later because of such a high toxicity and it's aged them actually they're they were talking to this one woman that um, her husband had recently died, and and he had been a ground uh, zero fighter, and the doctors just said that what he had developed was definitely, um, you know, they they highly believe that it could be traced back to ground zero, and it had internally aged his body, you know, 20, 30 years. Um, well, we see, you know, we have a lot of that in, in in every kind of disaster and tragedy and devastation that happens in. You know, as we'll talk about with John Shores with the tsunami that hit in 2004 or what's happening now around the globe, whether it be the volcanoes or the hurricanes or the tornadoes or the floods or whatever, you know, there is always this kind of risk that when you're going in to help. But what I was wondering about is what is your take as, you know, a young person about how we were so gripped with the fear of invasion was the, you know, were we going to be faced with terrorist attacks? I mean, what was it like to get on planes and, you know, what was it like to even travel? Because I remember I just had had a, a book launched <laughs> when this happened, and that was why I was supposed to be in New York that morning and um, couldn't get a flight, obviously. And I, so many people didn't want to fly or they couldn't, they were almost uh, paralyzed by fear. How, how yeah, do you think that people think have been able to get over it? it? I, I think in that something of really saying of um, you know we you'll never we should never forget because I, I think a lot of time it definitely it changed our society and a lot for a lot of people that they may forget of why there are so many restrictions with planes now um, why we go through. So much, you know, during security, and you can't carry water, and you have to take off your shoes, and the long lines, and the this, and and the random screenings, and that people sometimes get a little, you know, annoyed about it, and and don't understand why they're. Um, it really traces all back to, and it truly is for our security. We truly don't know because we we thought we were invincible when this happened, and I think it was such a shock. No one, no one saw it coming, and I think. All too much, you know. Once, um, once the dust settles, we we instantly get comfortable again, and then we forget why why we had those initial fears. and And I think um, we should never have to have that reinstated to us. And so I think those little things of having to take those extra little lines um, and precautions are now should should really be, you know, grateful for it. For me, I know. I mean, it, it changed. It changed. It's something, and it's crazy to think something in my life that is going to be in a history book but it's such a big such a big thing this is a historical um, thing well we're almost out of time but i just wanted to read a, a quick passage because i had met with uh, clint adams last night who handed me this uh, f- this article he had written back in 2002 about 911 uh, for the anniversary and it is just so pertinent today as it was then and it's how can we eliminate the fear? Let's listen to those who are gone. Maybe we'll learn something. Let's remember them because they're no longer here. Let's celebrate them now because it's their anniversary. And let's keep them with us always because they've given yeah. us our greatest lesson ever. And I just want to say we all, as Americans, we want to remember those who lost their lives. You want to thank the first responders. 
we want to thank the heroes and those who saved lives and embrace every family member who continue to grieve and to know that we don't, in order to overcome our fears, we do have to face them and we, we will move on. So this is a time of our history that we want to celebrate this day and all the people that partook in it. Heather, thank you for your insights. Will you give out the website? Most definitely. Exactly. If you want to find the triumph and all tragedy as well, if you're looking for some good things, as we mentioned, the pair festivals coming up, donating for the show, all so many great things. Go to be the star you are dot com, be the star you are dot org, as well as CarmenClutches dot com, both of the K. Well, and when we return from break, we're going to go across the waters to a paradise island in Thailand, where we know paradise can turn into peril. That is swept up into the cataclysmic tsunami of two thousand four. With author John Shores, his new book Cross Currents. Stay with us. This is such a page turner. I am Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And this is Star Style. Be the star you are. Don't go away. More to come. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite World Talk Radio show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Apathy, violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a changemaker when you dare to care by supporting Be The Star You Are Charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. Be the star you are.org. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. CynthiaBryan.com. You can be the star you are. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. It's the Power Hour on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Now, back to the show with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Gratitude to you for listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, where the world comes to talk and listen. I am Cynthia Bryan. Well, National Geographic Traveler magazine recently named Cross Currents its September Book of the Month and the accolades are so well-deserved. Author John Shores has lived and traveled for most of his life abroad in Asia, South Pacific, Europe, Africa, and North America. He's won numerous awards for his novels. They've been translated into over 25 languages, including Beneath the Marble Sky, Beside a Burning Sea, Dragon House, The Wishing Trees. And he returns to our program today with his newest page-turner, Cross Currents. Welcome back, John, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. 
Well, thanks, Cynthia. It's my pleasure to be back. Well, we are excited to have you. I just, you know, I, I love Dragon House was one of my absolute favorite books about the children in Vietnam, and you've just done it again with Cross Currents. I, I sat down and I couldn't stop reading it. I had to read it, you know, until I was finished. With all these, these current natural, uh, natural disasters that are occurring, John, you know, this year has been incredible with the volcanoes in Iceland and the earthquakes, Japan, and tornadoes in Joplin, the hurricanes and floods now on the eastern seaboard. I find it so appropriate and timely that Cross Currents is published right now when people are having a lot of fear about what we call, you know, these unexpected acts of gods. Tell us about Cross Currents. It takes place on this pristine island in Thailand. You frequented here often, both before and afterwards. You know, when I saw your video, John, which I love, and I encourage everyone to watch the, his trailer for the book. It's beautiful. Your photographs are beautiful. One would never, ever imagine that something so deadly could happen. Yes, I was very blessed to do a lot of traveling, especially as a young man. And I, I found this one part of the world, this little tiny island off the coast of Thailand called Koh Phi Phi. And I just felt as if I had stumbled into paradise. I mean, it was just... It was heaven on earth, literally. The turquoise water and monstrous limestone cliffs and friendly people and no roads or automobiles or anything like that. And it was just absolutely picturesque. And I, over the next two decades, I went back uh, a few times. And um, then I became a full-time novelist and, and things took off in my literary career. And I was sitting at home one day, uh, December 26th of 2004, uh, and, and watching CNN. And suddenly there were these images of this tsunami sweeping through Southeast Asia, and I recognized parts of this beautiful, beautiful place, this island that I'd come to love so much, and I was very emotionally, obviously, distraught by what was going on, and, and so I, I went back a couple of years later to interview the locals who had, who had survived this and who had rebuilt uh, this paradise, and I was just so impressed with, with their kind of strength of spirit and soul and their tenacity that I decided then and there that I wanted to, to write a novel about these people and about these stories and, and, and this kind of testament to the strength of the human spirit. And that's the novel that became Cross Currents. Well, and the, you say this in Cross Currents, we, we tend to forget so quickly. You know, we get, we at first we're really fearful and then we're, we're emotional and then we forget because the next thing happens. So what you've done with Cross Currents, since you've taken the story of what happened and, and wove it into a fictionalized novel with really full-bodied, believable characters who have flaws as well as virtues. And, you know, Thailand is called the Land of Smiles, and the people there are just such lovely, wonderful people. I wanted to know, were you the family that take in Patch, the um, the protagonist in your story are they actually based on a family that you knew or is this a compendium of people that you know from that island or just people that you have met sure so so cross currents is basically set it, the novel starts out about a week before the wave and it, it focuses on two families one a, a trio of americans and two this three generational thai family who operates kind of some rundown bungalows on the beach, which is a fairly typical thing. And I, I certainly met a lot of Thais like that. A lot of They were definitely family enterprises. You would see the kids working and, and, and helping clean up and trying to get 
tourists to come to the um, the resort and so forth. And and so it wasn't one particular family that inspired me, but probably dozens and, and scores of such families who I interacted with over the years and was really impressed with and, and, and taken by. And so I think you're right, it's kind of a compilation of, of all of that that was woven into this one family. Well, and that the family, what I what I love so much about them, it's obvious that they're very poor, but there's so much love between them and so much humor and a work ethic that many of us here in the United States don't seem to share, especially as a family. And that was really impressive, the way that you made that. And then bringing the, the trio, as you said, Patch, Ryan, and Brooke, the two brothers, very, very interesting, very different characters, but... Um, so lovable in each of their, you know, their own ways, one being very perfect, one being more flawed, and then how they're both redeemed. This, the story of Patch is a story that you hear from time to time, how kids go to Thailand, they get in trouble. And this was such a good, a good, good kid. Had you talked to people like Americans who had survived it? Uh, this uh, tsunami, I meant. I, I had, yeah, and, and and again, I wanted to tell. This isn't just a novel about the tsunami. It's really a novel about people and their lives and loves and relationships. Because I wanted to humanize everything that happened over there on that day. And so, with Patch, he's this American who's who's been in Thailand, has been kind of doing the backpacker scene, and gets in trouble with the law, and is basically hiding out on this little island, working for room and board for this Thai family uh, that we just talked about. And so certainly Thailand is, is a place where one can get in a situation like that because it, it can be such a paradise. And I think sometimes young people can be a little bit naive about um, I'm doing things that maybe they wouldn't even do in America. They think they can get away with anything over there, and, and suddenly they're in trouble. And uh, they have. And that was certainly the case with Patch. I mean, yeah, he's basically exactly. a good kid who just tried to do something while he was traveling. Yeah, and, th- and that happens, and I've talked to people that that's happened too, so... Um, it, it, it's definitely part of, of reality in, in developing countries as one is traveling within those. But um, but a good soul, and uh, he's obviously a very important part of the book. And the the brother, Ryan, I found him so interesting, too, because he really wants to save. He comes over to save his brother. And, you know, without giving away the ending, it, it happens in a very different way than what he intended. Yes, this is true, and and I, I I paired them up as brothers because I, I think that there are some really interesting nuances uh, between brothers, and, and their relationships I think could be explored perhaps even better than than maybe a, a best friends could be. Um, right. Patch and Ryan are very different people. Ryan, uh, being the big brother, comes over to sort of save his little brother and get him out of this trouble, and and ends up as you say doing so in a very different way, and really starts to fall in love with with Thailand, with this country and these people um, in unexpected ways. And um, that was a fun sort of dynamic for me to write about. You know, and I always find this so interesting, especially with writers who are so adept at fiction as you are, is where the characters come from and do they just show up and do they just emote and, you know, to have, you know, the sort of the triangle that that goes on and the different love situations and what happens. Did did they just evolve? Did they just kind of speak to you and you and when you wrote it? They, they did. I mean, it's interesting. Cross Currents is my fifth novel, and, and when I always sit down and write that first draft, the characters are, are fairly two-dimensional and, and cardboard figures, and I don't really understand them very well. But as I go through and edit and edit and rewrite, 
they become more three-dimensional, and I establish kind of an intimacy with them, a rapport with them. And at some point, they just start kind of speaking their own, on their own behalf. And that, that certainly happened within Cross Currents. I felt really connected to these characters because 90% of the book is really their stories and, and their lives and getting my goal as a writer is to get the reader very attached to these characters. And then, of course, the wave comes in towards the end of the book and um, the reader is, is, is hoping that everyone makes it and there's the drama or some of the drama at least. So uh, it, it's an and, interesting process. Well, and that's so, is how true that is. I mean, I was so attached. You're rooting for them the whole time and you just don't know, you know, what the Indian's going to be because it's just, because the tsunami is just so huge. And from what I understand from, from the description you gave, according to the way the island is formed, is that the tsunami actually hit from two sides. So that, you know, the title cross currents, isn't just the cross currents from the human side. It's really the cross currents that happened with uh, Mother Nature. Yeah, exactly. That's right. It's an interesting island. It's shaped like this huge butterfly, and the wings would be these monstrous cliffs. And the center is this beach where you have homes and, and bungalows, and the center is only six feet above the water. And um, um, and one wave came in from one side at 50 miles an hour, and that wave was 10 feet high. And then there was another wave that came from the other side that was 18 feet high. So they met in the middle, and, and obviously it was a real mess. But what's amazing is that it should have, by all accounts, been much, much, much worse. But these incredible acts of heroics, strangers saving strangers. And I talked to a Thai fisherman who was running away from the wave and grabbed a little blonde-haired kid in each arm and, and made it to the hills just as the waves were crashing behind him. So heard a lot of stories like that while I was there, and that really got me inspired to go out and try to bring this day to life. Well, and this is what we're talking to John Shores, for those of you who are just joining us now, and he is the author, as you know, of The Wishing Trees and Dragon House, and this new book is Cross Currents, and it is a wonderful story about a beautiful island in Thailand and the tsunami that hit there in 2004, combined with a really beautiful family drama here, and I want to just get more to the tsunami as you learned about it and witnessed and talked to people, because we're talking a lot about fear today and overcoming fear, how have they gone back to their life, uh, you know, post tsunami? Because we don't know when this kind of thing would happen. You, in your book Cross Currents, you mention about how out, how I forgot how many miles exactly it was, but there were fishermen. They were just pulling in their nets, and they were literally right above where the volcano erupted and. The wave just tipped them over and killed them. I mean, there was absolutely no warning for these small islands. No, there really wasn't. And, and it's incredible the, the, the fact that not only so many people on these little islands lived, but, for instance, on Kopi P, which, which had, at the time of the tsunami, had 10,000 people on it. And, unfortunately, 3,000 of those people died. But what, what was really remarkable is that after the wave, most of those people stayed. And, actually, both foreigners and Thais removed 7,000 tons of debris from the water by hand. I mean, they completely cleaned up that whole area, rebuilt it, um, and, and recaptured the spirit and the beauty of the place. And people, for the most part, didn't want to leave. They wanted, even though they'd lost loved ones, they were so attached to that community and that place that, that, that they put everything of themselves that they possibly could into rebuilding it and getting it back to the way it was. And that's a part of my novel, and, and it was really important to me to sort of reincarnate that on the page because it was such a beautiful thing. 
Well, and this is something that your characters, you know, they decide to participate in this. And to think that people actually, after undergoing such a calamity that just like the day after would be ready to, you know, they didn't want to flee, that they wanted to help each other. And it didn't matter what race, what nationality, what language they spoke. Everybody was in this together. And that's something that happens after disasters. It is. And, and it's, 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 it's funny. I mean, we obviously, we have differences among nations, among people and all of that. But it's amazing and, and, and wonderful how when faced with such terrible adversity, people really do bond together and achieve wonderful things. And, and that's really a lot of what this novel, Cross Currents, is about. Um, the, even before the tsunami, the, these different cultures sort of weaving in and out of each other in, in, in a fairly harmonious situation and, and all that. And the, the wave comes in and turns everything upside down, and one would think that, that people would have just left, but it wasn't the case. People stayed, even tourists, stayed well beyond their, their means and, helped rebuild, wanted to rebuild, and it was really a, a neat thing to experience firsthand talking to people and then to write, spend a year writing this novel was, was a wonderful thing for me to be able to do. John, do you know what how they eliminated the debris, where they took it? Did it have to be transported away in boats? And what about, what about burying their 3,000 dead? Were they buried at sea? Because it's a small island, and after experiencing so much devastation, how? what were the mechanics behind that? Yes, I mean, a, a lot of Thais are Buddhist, so they, they burned a lot of their dead. And then, of course, many of the foreigners um, who lost their lives were, were sent home to their families overseas. And um, in terms of getting the debris away, they, they brought in big barges and really cleaned it up to, to its former um, level and it was just a remarkable thing and um, it, it's fun to go back there and it's, it's sort of surreal to be standing on a beach where, where such sorrow happened and such horror but yet uh, there are children laughing and running down the beach now and um, a joy is, is infused in the area that's a bit a beautiful thing to behold. Well, again, in your book, Cross Currents, you, you carry the tranquility, you capture it so perfectly, the peacefulness. And then if people go to your website, johnshores.com, or they click on your trailer for the movie, which I recommend doing, you see these beautiful photographs, many of which you took. And it, it's just, just unbelievably difficult to imagine that anything but beauty and happiness would emanate you know, from this part of the world. John, are you working on another um, novel now? Because all your novels take us to different parts of the world, which is very exciting. Well, thanks for asking. Yes, I'm always working on another novel. <laughs> um, I uh, am working on a big historical epic set in uh, Cambodia, this amazing complex of temples called Angkor Wat, and it's going to be a 500-page book, and it's very different than Cross Currents, which is kind of a, a quick, powerful read. Uh, this this Anger Watt story is going to be a, an epic thing with many different characters and subplots, and it, it will that, take me a while. So I, I was going to say that might take a bit of time. There, that's a lot of research. Are you going back to Cambodia then to research that? Yes, yes, I, I am, and I, and I look forward to that. It's a really neat part of the world. So 
Oh, well, we love your books, John. I can't say enough good things about Cross Currents. I recommend it. It's a definitely a recommended book. And as you heard at the beginning of the hour here, it was chosen by National Geographic Traveler Magazine as the book of the month. And you'll, you will see why when you read it. So Cross Currents, John Shores, the author, and go to johnshores.com. Would you like to make a final comment about it? Well, sure. Yeah, please, please go to check out my website, and it's John S H O R S N O E. And um, feel free to, if you read the novel to, to drop me a line and let me know what you think. And I just I'm, I'm grateful, Cynthia, to be once again chatting with you. And uh, my very best wishes to all of your listeners. Well, thank you, John. It's such a pleasure. JohnShores.com, J O H N S H O R S. Dot com, the new book, Cross Currents, but check out his website for all the other books and some interviews, etc. You'll be so uh, tempted and delighted when you do. John, it's an honor and a pleasure to have you back, and I look forward to your next book. When and it comes out, please get in touch. I will. Thanks, Cynthia. I appreciate it. You have yourself a wonderful afternoon. Yes, and you just keep shining as well. Well, when we come back, from break, my good friend, European citizen, teen advocate, and founder of the Stories About Facing Fear Project, Clint Adams will be here, so do not go away. I'm Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be right back for a romping good time. you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop take world talk radio on the go and listen anywhere get our mobile app for iphone blackberry or android at the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market are you living your dreams want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin lifestyle coach and personal growth expert cynthia bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person you'll turn your passions into profits visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR that's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827 cynthia bryan is your guide on the side www.cynthiabryan.com you can be the star you are be the star you are light up the flame that burns get a positive prescription for living and discover a cure for adversity when you make a difference in the lives of others by donating to be the star you are a 501c3 top rated charity dedicated to empowering women families and youth through increased literacy, positive media, and tools for living. www.bethestaryouare.org All donations are tax-deductible. www.bethestaryouare.org Be the lucky star you you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop take world talk radio on the go and listen anywhere get our mobile app for iphone blackberry or android at the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market
turn up the volume, grab a seat, and get ready to be challenged, inspired, and motivated to greatness. It's Power Party Time on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with your hosts, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Well, every week, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, brings you the authors, the experts, and the pioneers on the planet who are making a positive difference in the lives of others. And my next guest is all three of these. Clint Adams and I met on a movie set back in the 1980s, worked together as actors throughout the 90s. He changed careers, became a novelist, writing several visionary teen books and an adult thriller. We reconnected around 2001 in an Authors Guild meeting. He moved to Europe, living in London, Munich, Italy, Barcelona. And last night, he was back in California. We enjoyed Frutti de Mare e Vino when we caught up on our past lives. And he's launched this exceptional pilot program for teens and young adults called Stories About Facing Fear so that young people can get their stories heard. Benvenuto, benvenido, benvenido, welcome. How are you, buddy? <laughs> I am good. Welcome, my friend Clint Adams to Thank Star you. Style. I am hey. really glad you're here. I'm sorry I gave you such a monologue intro, but, you know. Oh, my God. Who is this guy? <laughs> you know, I'd like to meet him. But, uh, Your years of being an actor <laughs> and an author had led you to this point of, you know. So now you're uh, you're getting stories from teens, and it's a pilot mm-hmm. program for schools and universities. Tell us, Clint. Give us a yeah. background on this. Well, I tell you, it's, it's uh, something I'm quite passionate about. It's called Stories About Facing Fear. Uh, and most recently, I lived in London for a couple of years, and I uh, got to know the culture quite well. And uh, having written uh, 14 novels prior to that and marketing my books almost exclusively in Europe, I got to know teens and teen issues quite well over the past several years. And um, I tell you, I was given a grant by the uh, the British government, of the Millennium Trust, and um, uh, I started this project uh, because... I think I wanted to uh, address teen issues and um, teen problems a little bit more than writing fiction uh, in the voice of a teen. So um, this is a therapeutic uh, storytelling project and involves about 5 to 20 students uh, at a time, either at a school or a youth club, youth center. Um, and um, it's, it's, it's a means for kids, especially in England, to, um, to get their stories out. It's a catharsis. And uh, I, I'll be honest, I have never seen something like this in England before. And as you know, London just had the, the, the they call, they don't say teens and young adults there, they say youth. So the youth, the, yeah. I wanted they, to ask you about these riots there yeah. because I would say that what they, you know, I, I don't know, I don't live in England, but it would seem that the youths in England that started these, that continued them, they weren't feeling heard, and if they right. had participated in a program like yours, they would have been yeah. able to get their voices out there. Tell us about yeah. this. Yeah, if uh, you know, it's. Uh, I think that's what uh, I saw. This as a direct remedy for the situation uh, quite a while back, and it's just so very strange. It's these riots were tragic. I mean, they were very, very bad, but. Um, you know, the first, uh, I moved to London in 2009 and I lived in this, uh, borough of Tottenham and it's in North London and these were the first, uh, the first riots there took place, uh, in Tottenham and you know what? Cynthia, I tell you, I, I just, um, it didn't, su- I, I was in you Barcelona at the time of you? these riots. Not surprised. No, sadly, I don't want to, you know, it was, uh, well, because I, what the kids feel socially isolated, they're, they don't feel that, um, 
that anyone pays attention to them, and this was like their right. way to for mm-hmm. to be heard. That this was their communication. It was like we're gonna we're gonna riot, we're gonna fight back until you listen. Yeah, it's it's. There's so many explanations. You know, there. Um, uh, I can remember at the, the 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 when the riots all over England pretty much stopped. They were, I think. All they could think about was to enhance security in all these different locations. But I thought, wait a minute, who's taking the time to actually uh, gather these people together and ask why? Why? What, what was your motivation? Why did you want to do this? Um, uh, did you join in because a buddy of yours joined in? Or um, you know, there's got to be some sort of reason. But uh, it's just my observation after having spent time in London. Um, well, the, bottom line is that it was like, what was their story, which is what stories about fear is all about. Yes, is, exactly. What was their backstory? And with your acting background, you know, I suppose as actors, we can't help but look at the world through the lens of backstories and histories oh, yeah. and what comes before and yeah. what is the communication process, right? Everybody's, Cynthia, everybody's got a story. They, you know, it, it's so it's right. everybody. It doesn't matter if you're a teen uh you know if you're uh, a senior citizen uh, everybody's got a story and and i think that's one of the um reasons i wanted to to launch this is because um writing books i didn't you know that's fine but uh writing fiction these uh, teen books was fine but i became a writer because i needed to tell my very personal story and it wasn't a desire i never uh, want, necessarily wanted to become a writer. It was really out of necessity. There were, was nothing else available to me to get this truth out, uh, that I, the story that I had learned, you know, when I was 34 years old. Uh, so I, I just became a, a writer and worked, worked hard at it. And this was, I really, it was my intention to tell only this one story. Uh, and apparently I must have had fear because I didn't finish writing this story and th- this book until, uh, 2009, and that was well. And that book published. is that book is the seventh ritual, a race for survival, which yes. I just read, and I just Thank applaud you. you for your courage because uh, you know I had uh, even knowing you all these years, I had no idea what a tumultuous <laughs> and turbulent and really horrid, horrid yeah. background and childhood you had, and yeah, yeah, rather well, a lot of evil there. But you have moved on, and you've faced it and yeah. one thing i think that that comes across especially these new videos that you are making for the kids mm-hmm. which people can see at either clintadams.com or they can go to uh to a stories about facing fear.com is by writing your story down mm-hmm. and i caught this in your book because it's in your video been there done that <laughs> Been That's there, true. done that. That's so true. in other That's words, true. you don't have to relive it. So no, I think it's, it's, you, it's a catharsis. You were catharsis. able to get out the it's, pain. It's, England, I'll, I'll be honest with you. You know, uh, I'm in California right now, but when I was in England, they were very adverse to the to, to the word liberate or liberation. But one thing that you don't know, you and I got together last night. We're old buddies. But um, you, you didn't know this, but when I released that book, my very personal story, I purposely had it released on July 4th, American Independence Day. Independence Day. Oh, that's interesting. That so it was liberating. Day. That was my liberation. That, that was, was for me. Your liberate, thought, that was thought, your liberation. And, and in the, this little marketing, I have two marketing videos to promote uh, stories about facing fear. 
And, uh, you know, and, and the, the, the character, I, I hired actors to tell these stories and in this, in these videos. And he, you know, is a British actor and he didn't know the expression been there, done that. So I had to explain it. And I said, it means, you know, because he's not going to tell his story again. And that means I don't need to. I told it. I'm moving on. You know, so I think there's many teens out there that uh, I'm sure feel exactly the same. Well, you know, you're here. Uh, you're here for. I know you're going back to England, but what mm-hmm. I'm wondering, Clint, because I just feel there's a need for this program that you are doing, the storytelling here in America and specifically in California. I mean, do you have any desire at all to bring this pilot program? Oh, sure. Stories about facing fear here, because it would be such so successful in schools. I mean. This is what what it's all about is getting our youth involved and yeah. letting yeah. them go on without judgment, not be criticized, be encouraged, be yeah. inspired. Exactly, exactly. I, I think I'll be honest. It's it's the U.S. has um, you know when when was it? Maybe two months ago, the White House had a conference on bullying, and that's something that you and I haven't talked about yet, but. Um, that's that's a chronic problem everywhere in it's every everywhere culture. in the world. I'm actually involved. You know, we didn't we had so many topics to talk about, but I'm actually involved now. Uh, I briefly told you about the World Youth Connection that we're working yes. on, and this is yes. one of the topics is bullying that right. we really want to address because, especially with the internet and uh, all the social media, it's pervasive. It is, a, you know, it's a cause of suicide. It's really destroying yes. people's lives. So we have yeah. to do something about it. But getting a story out would yeah. help, wouldn't it? Oh, without a doubt. It's, it's, I think it's, it's, I look at it so simply. And, you know, when people, you know, oftentimes ask, well, does this, is it a means for them to, exp- the, the teens and young adults to express themselves? And I say, no, it's more than that. You know, this this allows them to kind of move on. And um, when I with this test project that I ran in London um, for 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 kids, and I uh, I say the word kids over there as well. They don't like that. But uh, you know, when they I they tell a story and can't come up with a topic, I say, okay, you know what I like? I like it when you at uh, and the, the age group for this is about sixteen to twenty two. It's not young teens. It's older teens, early twenties. And you had and, started with some early, younger, but you found that it worked best with the older ones, yeah, right? Yeah, it didn't quite work with the younger ones because they haven't had enough life experiences. Yes, to, they didn't have enough stories yet. They did. They didn't have enough stories yet. You know, so the the older ones they have um, uh, had a few experiences in life that were a bit challenging. And I said, I want to hear that, and I want to hear what you've done in your early, uh, your young life to uh, turn that around. And uh, my belief is that's very empowering for the storyteller, uh, cathartic, and, and in addition to being inspirational for the listener. So it's, you know, if, if uh, student A solved a problem by doing such and such, maybe student B could do the same. You well, know, yeah, the so. two videos that you have right now, one is mm-hmm. Danny's story and one is Amy's story. And yeah. I, found them, I found them both very uh, fascinating because of how different they were. But yeah. one having a, uh, a sibling that, yeah. that has special needs. And yeah. so the, the sibling who was normal, you know, quote unquote normal, who didn't have the special needs, felt very left out. This is yeah. something that happens all the time, especially in a yeah. family where there's a sick child or mm-hmm. a sick parent. And it was, it was so, um, liber- there's the word liberating, but it was liberating, liberating 
to yeah. watch her evolution as she understood what was happening and that it really wasn't about a lack of love for her. It was about that this other person really needed the care. Mm-hmm. You're and that was right. fascinating. Yeah. And then the the other uh, one that was about you know a parent's Danny. dream to have the jock. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know if, when we're talking about uh, Danny's story. Yeah. The the jock. When you're so often kids feel they have to live up to their their expectations of their parents. And you know oh, sure. every parents want doctors, mm-hmm. lawyers, and Indian chiefs. They don't necessarily want actors and writers and artists who they're going to be starving. Really? Right? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> Why didn't somebody tell me that when I was a kid? I know. How often are you asked, how much money did you make today? It's like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Aren't I making a difference? Come on. Yeah. I'm making a difference. Yeah. But, but I thought that was a very pertinent story because, again, it crossed global lines, and yeah. it's something that happens throughout the world no matter what the culture. Yes. You're absolutely right, especially in uh, uh, England is obsessed with football. You know, and uh, talking about that, that the video that you were mentioning, and um, I thought we were so lucky. You know, this is very natural that in the storytelling group uh, that takes place, uh, they tell their story. But you know, uh, in this video, I asked the actors to tell their own very personal story, and we hit the jackpot with the first two. You know, they were just uh, they divulged. You know, I don't know something rather personal, and um, and I I made it a point to ask everybody that was interviewed. Um, what, how do you feel now that you've told your story? Does it make any difference? Did you care? You know, and, um, they, it was unanimous. It all felt better to get your story out. So all of them, when you, I mean, again, coming from your acting background and now you were casting these two yes. short movies, what you really found is that when you ask them to be themselves, which is the hardest thing for actors to be themselves, we want right. scripts, right? <laughs> is that what they, what they did is they were able to eliminate a block that they had as a real person. Yeah, 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 yeah. It takes, you know what, it's how you, your theme today is fear. I've been listening to your show. Fear. And or, it, it, yes, takes, fear. it takes guts to tell the truth and to be yourself. It's, 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 uh, it can be a scary thing. You know, it's totally a scary thing. It's totally it's scary. That's why this particular group uh, that I have, it's student-led. It's not, uh, I because I'm launching this, I will go just once, once out of, you know, ten meetings. It, it, it la- it's, uh, takes place once a week, and I show up just the first time just to, uh, just to get it going, you know. And um, when, when I did this in London, um, I did hang out a little bit more. And, uh, I mentioned to you this, this before, but they wanted, they, on the first week, they were insistent that I tell my story. And I said, no, 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 no. It's all about you. It's, that's why I'm doing this. I want to, you know, my mission is to help you with, uh, tell your stories. I've told mine. You know, Clint, what's your story? So, uh, the, the, there were, the second week, there was no escaping it, and I, I told my story. And, um, and, but I tell you, it's, it's, it, you already talked about it a little bit, but it's, uh, it's a shocking story, but, um, if I couldn't demonstrate the power of getting a story out, but, you know, telling my story, how are they going to know? You know, why right. would they and listen to me? that's what I was going to say is you, it's, it's easy to say, you know, do as I say. Yeah. But yep. I think it's always better when we teach by example. Sure. And so by sharing your own sh- uh, story, you were letting them know that you were vulnerable 
And also that you've been there, done that. That it's been past, there, done that. Been that you there, could actually that. get the story out. And I couldn't agree with you more because I became a writer for the same reasons. I had, uh, you know, I never thought I'd be a writer, but I had stories to tell and pain to eliminate. And it's amazing yeah. once you get it out there how we can heal other people because we're not going sure. through this life alone. There's many other people going through it. So oh, I sure. hope that you'll be able, Clint, to. Uh, not only continue your programs in London, Barcelona, or anywhere in Europe that you're doing it, but I hope that you'll be able to bring them to the United States, stories about facing fear. We all need to face our fears because it is, you know, like was said, is that's all we have to face is fear itself. It, fear is, is really nothing except for our perception. So yeah, we're at I, the end of the time. Let's okay. give out your website. So storiesaboutfacingfear.com or... ClintAdams.com, and that's Adams with an S, A-D-A-M-S.com. <laughs> right. And I know we get confused with all these S's. I know. It, yeah, thank you. Yes, yeah. so just wrap it up with, uh, with one line, uh, oh. you know, something just to wrap up your f- stories about facing fear. Yes, I would say, well, first of all, thanks for uh, inviting me on. It's been a pleasure, Cynthia. You know, and uh, this, whenever, you know, uh, I'm afraid of something, I only say two, I say two words to myself. You know what they are? No. Keep going. Keep going. Well, that I love that. It's in your video. Like Churchill said, when you're going through hell, yeah. keep going. Keep going. So let's keep going. Keep going. And you know, life can be hell, but if we keep going, we never give up. Jamais dit jamais, and just say yes to life. Things are going to happen. Well, Clint Adams was our guest here, good buddy of mine, you know, world traveler and really advocate for teens. I'm sure Clint will be working on some projects together. Go to clintadams.com. And even though you don't care about promoting your books, he really is a great writer. Everyone. Oh, you're sweet. So Thank you. Check out his books as well. But stories about facing fears is what he really wants people to know. So, Clint, thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you for the Frutti di Mari and also for the vino. Oh, yummy. That was great. Hey, one more thing. Congratulations on your Voice America teen show. Yes, thank Express you very yourself. much. Express yourself. I think that's wonderful. Yes, I'll, and I want to talk to you about it. So we, we will, will talk, talk off the air later. All right. Okay. All right, okay. Cynthia, thank you. Thank you, Clint, and thank all of you for being great listeners. I am Cynthia Bryan. You've been listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Go to btsya.com for uh, information, bethestarur.org, and you can always email me, Cynthia Bryan at cynthiabryan.com. May you have a great week. Celebrate. Share the love. Face the fear. And be the star you are. I'm Cynthia Bryant. Thanks for joining me. Until next week. The star you are. The star you are. Thank you for being part of our star galaxy on today's episode of Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We hope you've enjoyed the commentary and are motivated to dream big, overcome obstacles, and realize your potential. For further information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. Join our power party next week right here on World Talk Radio as Cynthia Bryan, Heather Brittany, and the pioneers of the planet pump up the energy with positive, uplifting, life-changing radio. Until then... Be the star you are. You.